Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to our Vita podcast, where we're going to help educate military veterans and their spouses on opportunities in Web3. Our plan is to host a series of industry leaders, many of whom are veterans or spouses themselves, so we can learn about their journey down the crypto rabbit hole while understanding opportunities for transitioning veterans into space. My name is Chris Perkins. I'm a combat Marine veteran who spent 15 years on Wall Street before transitioning into crypto myself. And before we begin, I wanted to thank our sponsor, Luca, who have dedicated their time and resources to make this podcast possible. Today, for episode 10, we'll be speaking with Michael Shalov, CEO of Fireblocks. Welcome, Michael. Chris, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. I uh, really appreciate you coming on. Well, first, uh, tell us about your background. Sure. Uh, so I um, spent the last uh, 20-something years in cybersecurity. Um, the first, actually, part, uh, I served in the Israeli intelligence in the, in the in one of the cyber units over there. It's called Unit A200. It's basically the, the very similar construct to the to the American NSA. Um, so I've been there for about uh, four years, and then uh, um, after yeah, after basically I uh, left the service, uh, I went into the private sector and worked in the cybersecurity space. But it, a decade, ago, a decade ago, I started my previous company, which was called Lacoon. Uh, it was dealing with mobile security. And um, essentially what we solved this kind of problem for enterprises that were adopting iPhones and Android devices in the beginning of the previous decades, uh, sort of transitioning from Blackberries. And we uh, build a solution that protects those devices from uh, malware and bad guys trying to hack into them. And um, then we got acquired by a fairly big company called Checkpoint. They are one of the biggest uh, co companies in the cybersecurity space. And then about uh, um, four years ago, uh, we started Fireblocks. Uh, that you know, what we do with Fireblocks is really providing the secure infrastructure for uh, financial institutions and other businesses today that are working with blockchain. Awesome. If we could go back to your military experience, uh, I know you did some super double secret things. Um, were there any things within your service that, that shaped you, uh, that, that later like helped shape you during your career. And, you know, clearly you've had incredible success. Um, any lessons that you took away from your military service? Yeah. I mean, I think a lot, I, I think that I attribute most of the success and the attitude that I have to, to the military service where I think I at least like got the fundamentals, right. In terms of, uh, what, pushes me and allows me to, to do things uh, in, in in the private sector. And I think it's actually probably similar for what a lot of people that serve in the, uh, in the military uh, experience where you actually tasked with doing, you know, very complicated things under huge amount of pressure where there is a lot at stake. And, uh, you know, first and foremost, I think it gives you some level of perspective in life, right, in terms of... Uh, you know, what you can deal with and how much pressure you can take and, you know, what is possible. Uh, and also this kind of mentality of refuse to lose uh, that uh, I think um, this is probably like, you know, one of the biggest things that we sort of uh, preach here uh, at, at Fireblocks and I generally believe that in my career and just like, you know, the concepts of hard work. And, and specifically, I think what what was unique about uh, what is unique about A two hundred, and that's why a lot of the you know leading entrepreneurs, Israeli entrepreneurs, basically served in uh, that unit or other units, is that 
um, you sort of operate on the cutting edge of technology uh, with very little resources. And uh, you sort of join those units when you're very young, when you're 18 years old. Um, and most of the people are sort of uh, that, that surround you are sort of that age. And uh, just generally, they make you believe that uh, you can do anything and no problem is difficult enough to, to be solved. So um, just like this kind of huge sense of empowerment that uh, uh, from that point on, I think uh, I, I keep it with me through, through my entire career where you, you just generally believe that every technological challenge can be solved and you always can come with a solution um, with you know, a reasonable amount of resources. So, Michael, clearly you did a lot of very interesting things in, in the Israeli military, uh, probably a lot of things you can't talk about, but would love to hear you talk about um, any kind of experiences or uh, that shaped you in, in your career going forward, um, any, anything that really um, you learned in the military that was able to propel you going forward. Yeah, so uh, in Israel, it's indeed a mandatory service, right? So uh, generally speaking, uh, suppose, supposedly 100% of the population supposed to, to go to the to the military it's not exactly the case but uh, I think the numbers are you know at the 80 percent or something like that and um, I started there I, I served there for four years it was actually a pretty intense uh, period in Israel it was between 2001 to 2005 and uh, actually the day that I joined the, the day that I started the the course uh, it was 9/11. Um, so I remember sort of uh, we, we were driving uh, the bus uh, uh, to the camp and uh, there was like a, this kind of small old TVs at the front of the bus and we just saw the, the saw it on the news. And uh, through most of my service, we, you know, Israel was sort of like, you know, in the heart of uh, both the Second Intifada conflict, there clearly the global jihad that was uh, unfolding in in uh, Africa and the Middle East and uh, and, uh, and also clearly all the nuclear proliferation that was uh, coming from uh, Iran and um, um, so, so so definitely um, Sparrow Myrol sort of had the, the unique opportunity to to get to be involved in some of the things that they were down to, to counter those uh, uh, risks. And uh, when I left the service, I think that uh, for the first couple of months, it was actually quite difficult to get used to the, to the private sector because you actually suddenly from dealing with things that people see in the news, right? Um, you go and you work for, I started to work in a tech company uh, that was doing uh, video streaming. Uh, that was the first company I worked for as a, as a um, software developer, and um, th there was, I think, like you know, a huge, <laughs> a huge shift from what I felt the importance of my day to day to uh, like the sense that I was getting uh, just after uh, after I left the army. Um, what, and I think that this is actually like you know what drove me fairly quickly into this kind of entrepreneurship because. In some ways, I had to fill that that uh, gap uh, that I that I felt, and and just start doing things that I believe that are, you know, very meaningful, um, and make sure that when I do them, I also inspire my team that uh, we're doing something that is meaningful. Because I think that inherently, that what was missing when when I left, 
um, I mean, you know, I feel very fulfilled with uh, what we, we are doing, what we accomplished, you know, the future. I think that uh, just generally speaking, working in uh, crypto and digital assets and Web3, I think it's one of those kind of really big missions uh, that, you know, potentially maybe the biggest uh, social economic experiment that uh, humanity is running for, you know, is being run for, for the humanity for the last uh, 100 or so years. Um, so that's, that's, I think like, you know, sort of exciting <laughs> at the same level as what I've experienced back in the day. I, I couldn't agree more that when you transition, you, you really long for that purpose and you miss that intensity. I, f I felt the exact same way. So tell us about crypto. How did you get into it in the first place? Yeah. So in 2017, when I was working for, for Checkpoint, um, Checkpoint is one of the biggest uh, companies in the cybersecurity space and clearly the company we sold to Checkpoint was uh, um, involved in, was one of the leaders uh, in the mobile security space. And in 2017, there was a huge hack that happened in South Korea. So the North Koreans, uh, presumably, <laughs> uh, hacked for exchanges in, in South Korea and was, were able to steal $200 million worth of Bitcoin. It was actually one of those first... Uh, cyber attacks that unfolded uh, by North Korea when they were actually going after crypto. For those who are not tracking, um, you know, what's going on from a geopolitical standpoint, uh, North Korea is actually one of the only nation states that are actually pursuing, you know, sort of cyber offensive uh, attacks for profit, right? Not for intelligence, not for surveillance, not for... Uh, for um, uh, military targets, but actually just like to steal money uh, because of the the sanctions that are imposed. And traditionally, they were actually going after regular financial uh, targets. Uh, SWIFT uh, was like a, bit, a very famous example where they hacked SWIFT in, back in 2016. And that was basically the moment where they started to pivot into, into crypto. So we... Because of our uh, know-how, we were very, uh, we were we had some kind of small part in that investigation. So we investigated uh, the components of the mobile malware that they were using, and this has actually sort of opened my eyes and opened uh, my curiosity uh, into you know the crypto space and specifically, I would say, the institutional part of the crypto space because um, it was mostly familiar with um, enterprise security and uh, how um, banks, financial institutions, other big enterprises are pro protecting themselves. And just the, and I think what we, what I realized when we sort of went, started to go down the rabbit hole of what was happening there uh, was that there is a kind of big shift into this technology, into the blockchain technology. And as, as I read more and more about it, I understood that, um, the um, capabilities and the promise of this technology to completely revolutionize how finance work uh, is huge. And uh, on top of that, what we discovered uh, simultaneously is that there was a gap in terms of how organizations and institutions were protecting themselves, and especially they didn't have anything that was catered into the transactional nature of this technology, uh, which basically pulled me in. And this is how I got involved with crypto. Wow, what, what a story. 
Can you tell us about your company? Tell us about Fireblocks. Clearly, you saw that there was a huge issue around security, uh, and then you launched Fireblocks. Can, can you unpack for the audience you know, what Fireblocks does, the purpose it serves, your clients, et cetera? Yeah. So the best thing, uh, the, the best thing to think about Fireblocks is a, it's an it's a infrastructure provider for companies that are working with crypto. It's a pretty big statement. What it means in practice is that we do we provide our clients a couple of things. So the first one is really secure wallets or secure custody technology. So basically the entire infrastructure in which they can store their coins or store their digital assets. That's one big thing that we do. The second thing is that we created what is called the Firebox network. So basic one of the biggest pain points with crypto is that you operate in a sort of infinite, infinitely big open network where you actually don't know uh, what are the identities or you know making sure that you're sending your assets to the right location and specifically because it operates uh, at a very high speed uh, or the finality over there is basically operates at a very high speed compared to the traditional financial system there is no recourse right so if you send your assets to the wrong wallet to the wrong address to the wrong participant um, you basically, you can revert that transaction and you can incur a significant loss of funds. And unfortunately, that basically opens up a huge attack vector for hackers, for internal fraud, for a lot of, and just like human errors, right? Where people losing money. And so the Fireblocks network is really sort of an infrastructure that helps institutions to sort out that, that problem and help them to move money in a, in a secure way between uh, the, the venues that they're trading on, between their counterparties, between the participants, between their subsidiaries, between their wallets. So just basically every transaction that they do, we, we secure it. Um, and then in the last uh, year or so, uh, we've have done a substantial work in creating infrastructure for, for what we call Web3. So a lot of projects around tokenization, right? So uh, minting NFTs, minting uh, tokenized securities, minting stable coins, uh, all um, basically bringing real world assets or financial assets or non-financial assets into, uh, into the blockchain and um, um, helping, it, helping over there with sort of controlling the life cycle, helping over there with controlling the compliance. Um, so those are, I would say, the three main areas of focus that we do. Um, clearly, in the last bucket, we're also putting uh, all the access into decentralized finance that became a very big part of the use cases of our, of our clients. So you know, securely and safely access uh, uh, different um, DeFi protocols. Wow, that, that's amazing. Um, you know, we recently saw uh, OFAC come down on, on Tornado Cash. And um, does your solution help address some of those concerns? So, uh, yeah, I mean, our solution uh, actually has a, like a OFAC blacklisting that we impose, right? So there is a, a built-in, uh, to a certain extent, a, bil a, bil a built-in capability to uh, to be compliant with uh, some of the OFAC requirements. Uh, I mean, then the question is like, you know, what exactly, uh, you know, the, 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 there is probably with, with the Tornado Cash and uh, and, uh, tre and the Treasury Department, I think there is a, a bigger philosophical question of uh, how 
this issue can be properly solved, right? And um, and how do we guarantee sort of uh, safety, soundness, and uh, I guess like uh, preventing bad actors in DeFi? Um, where I do think that some of the some of the things that we're working on in terms of programmable compliance are going to be a much more native solution to the problem, uh, rather than uh, which will hopefully on the longer run will prevent kind of it's kind of very broad blanket sanctions that are not uh, necessarily helpful. So you talked about some of the things that you're working on secure. Um tokenization of real real assets as an example what excites you most about web3 it feels like you know we're still at the very beginning uh, but what makes you excited about the future so the, the, there are a couple of uh, areas that uh, I'm very excited about the first one is really around the payment use case um, I think that you know there is a very clear path for using stable coins and just tokenized uh, FX uh, for simplifying a lot of the ubiquitous, like almost like the ubiquitous use cases, right? Of uh, which is payment and movement of uh, of uh, currency uh, around the globe. Uh, working on multiple projects with uh, some of the biggest PSPs, payment service providers uh, around the globe. Uh, we just acquired a company back in January that uh, has a best-in-class infrastructure to help them um, to do so and also working with uh, quite a few banks um, uh, one of these actually already pub public is a uh, ANZ bank out of Australia that uh, basically um, now issuing a, an Australian dollar stablecoin and th the view of how you now sort of interconnect and clear uh, foreign exchange and move uh, money from one side of the world to like the completely other side of the world at uh, second um, uh, latency. Uh, that's I think huge, right? That's I think almost uh, like the first killer use case for the technology. Um, on top of that, I think this actually builds the infrastructure for all the projects that we're doing with the tokenized assets, right? So I am excited about all the financial uh, uh, instruments that are going to be tokenized, although I think that it's moving a bit slow because of, uh, you know, mostly regulation and that is still a bit unclear. Uh, the exciting part is that the unregulated uh, instruments like NFTs, gaming, uh, loyalty cards, uh, you know, show tickets, all those things, uh, probably are going to hit the market much faster uh, in the mass, mass consumer way. And, uh, you know, super excited for that. And I think that that will actually build the groundwork for, uh, for, for, for the more financial use cases. What, what advice would you have for a transitioning veteran or spouse who's trying to pivot and start a career in Web3? So I think the first thing, the, the nice thing about my view about Web3 is that it is accessible, right? I think you can actually gain a pretty significant expertise and understanding without any formal, um, I mean, there are great books, okay, there are online courses, right? But at the end of the day, the unique thing about Web3 is that you can actually get hands-on experience by sitting home in front of the, your computer, uh, downloading a wallet, accessing all the DeFi applications, opening uh, 
accounts on exchanges and just basically playing with it and sort of cracking through the uh through the different things that you can do and just getting that experience which in my view this is probably the most valuable thing that people bring when they want to join uh the space if you if you have a kind of like a significant hands-on experience it's very very uh valuable and yeah and then um i think that there are you know, quite a lot of innovative startups that are currently being set up. There are also quite a lot of uh, um, traditional enterprise co- companies, financial institutions, um, retailers, and so that are being um, that that are entering this space. So I think that there is a, a pretty vast opportunity to join some of those teams in you know different. Uh, operational roles um and that's where i would think uh, you know one can start awesome is, is fireblocks doing any hiring and uh technical non-technical how do you think about growth plans yeah we're mostly now focusing on the technical hiring um that's that's our focus on right now i think this is where most of our hiring right now the the positions that are open currently are uh, technical a bit on the marketing side, uh, but that's that that's most of it. Uh, both, you know, highly technical like software engineers, but also customer support and so on. And on the um, yeah, just like generally speaking, on the on the go to market side, we just basically front loaded over uh, most of our capacity at the beginning of the year. So over there, we are a bit slow at the moment. Awesome. Anything uh, final that you want to share with, with the audience, largely composing of veterans and, and transitioning folks? Yeah. So, I mean, as I said, I just think that uh, people should just jump to the war, um, learn it, um, you know, play with it as much as they can. And I truly believe that this is one of the most exciting uh, domains that people can get involved right now. And I think it will pay anyone who gets involved right now. It's very early and I'm pretty confident that it's going to pay huge dividends uh, for the people who've been here early enough. I hope so. Um, great. And, and is there a best way to connect with you, Michael? Sure. Um, you know, Michael at fireblocks.com and also through my LinkedIn uh, profile. Chris, thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much. Michael, thank you so much for today's discussion. It's incredibly informative, and we're very lucky to have a prominent veteran like you uh, operating in our space. And again, I also wanted to thank our sponsor, Luca, uh, for doing what you do, and, and we're deeply appreciative of your support. For those interested in learning more about Vita, please connect with me on LinkedIn or Twitter. Please pick me on Twitter at PerkinsCR97. Thank you so much, everyone. See you next time.